It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Brian Fonseca here to tell you about the multi-time award-winning series Out Now that is Side Hustle, which is created, executive produced, hosted, and edited by me. Brian Fonseca. Side Hustle is a sit-down interview series that taps into sacrifice, the odd avenues taken to progress closer to your ultimate dreams, and some jokes as well. Because you know, we always gotta find it funny, and we always gotta find time to laugh. Side Hustle has been named to the best TV and web series category at several different film festivals, including the 2020 International New York Film Festival, the New York Movie Awards, and a host of others. Be sure to watch season one in full right now on either BrianFonseca.net or YouTube.com slash Brian Fonseca. Brian with a Y, remember. All eight episodes, trailers, teasers, and promo are free to watch, and the series as a whole is approximately two hours long. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a side hustle. Be sure to watch season one, out now. Hard to Tell Podcast, episode 167, Dexter Henry, Brian Fonseca here. This is going to be a very basketball-heavy episode. We got our man, the blackatologist, Jamal Murphy. You can also catch him mm. with us on the Props Network every Friday, ABA Picks and Props. He's also the co-host of the Bros Pod and the Up Next Pod. He's got two podcasts going on at a time, also does some writing for the Undefeated. Jamal, what's up, man? What's going on? Thanks for having me. Always fun. Always, always fun to have you to talk some basketball. Speaking of fun, you know, Brian and I, we like to have fun. We like to talk basketball fun. But apparently, some people around basketball can't enjoy anything these days. I mean, you just can't enjoy anything at all. So, (laughs) if you've been under a rock, people, if you haven't seen it, Anthony Edwards had what well, Brian Brian you were calling this the dunk of the year already you were saying this is the dunk of the year yeah like, I, ha- be. I haven't sat and really thought about it as I've sort of watched it like about 12 times already but I can't think of a dunk that I've seen within the last 12 months granted a few of those months were inactive but <laughs> I, have, I can't think of anything better like what was the best dunk last year because I, I don't really remember off the top of my head I'll remember it being as good as this if it is with this dunk by Anthony Edwards, rookie Anthony Edwards. We'll get to more of that later. Uh, dunked over Yuto Watanabe of the Toronto Rappers. And I mean, he, okay. I was trying to remember who he dunked on. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know him. I, didn't, I don't know him to this day. I mean, it, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it matters, but it kind of doesn't matter, right? Like, 
this will be his claim to fame. No question. That's never a good thing. When you're getting dunked on as your claim to fame, that is never a good thing. Anyway, he got dunked on. Again, if you have not seen this, we'll put this up for you in the video. But if you have not seen this, woo, Anthony Edwards just owned him. Twitter went crazy. Everybody's talking about how amazing this dunk is. I'm getting texts from people left and right. We talked about it in our group chat. But there was somebody who decided they had to be the fun police. And then, you know, Twitter and social media came for this person. As more than write, one person, by the way. More than one person. Yes, more than one person. I don't want to put this on. A lot of this is going to center around uh, Nate Duncan, uh, NBA cap guy, scout, analytics writer. Um, a lot of it is going to center on him for a tweet. And he had a tweet where he said, Anthony Edwards is all over Twitter tonight, which he was with the dunk of the year. But he said he also has seven points on three of 14 shooting, 0 of seven on threes. Look, man, I'm going to just start it out with you guys and asking you this. You saw this dunk. We all love basketball. You know what I like? I like seeing people get crossed and then people making the shot. I also like seeing people get dunked on, which is really vicious. It's just a great basketball play. There is never a time in my life when somebody's gotten dunked on, and then the next thing I said is, you know what? You know what I'm going to do? Let me go check that box score. Let me go see what they're doing in the game. Like, who does that? Murphy, Unless you really don't like the player. I mean, but that's hate, though, right? That would be hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I absolutely. Mean, Murph, have you ever done this? The bride sounds like you haven't done it. I mean, I might, I might go check the box scores, you know, see what this kid's doing, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hate on his dunk. Not right it. after, been, not right after the yeah, dunk, no. though, Murph. I mean, I just, just, that's, just to yeah, know what's yeah. going on in the game, I might check the box score. That's, that's the only right. reason. But no, I mean, I mean, and it's really like you said, it gives. This is the kind of stuff that gives analytics people a bad name. Okay, because we we get it. The the numbers matter. Stats matter. You know, I, I I agree with that. I'm I'm pro analytics. I look at I look at all numbers I can get my hands on. But when you're so wrapped up in the numbers that you're gonna downplay things that happen on the court and just the the pure aesthetics of the game and and watching the game and enjoying how the game looks on the court because that's that's really how this stuff originates. That's why we're all fans, right, in the first place. So to so to be so far in your head with analytics that you don't you no longer care what happens in a game or what what plays happen in the game that that's that's what gives these guys a bad name. Yeah, it does. What about you, Brian? Have you uh, have you ever seen a dunk that was maybe as spectacular as this and was like, man, man, you know what? It's whack because this dude hasn't really been <laughs> killing it from from the floor. He wasn't efficient enough. Has has this ever no. happened to you? Not one as spectacular as this. I used to get pissed off like in high school when somebody we played against made a jumper for the first time in a while and they got mad hype. Like I was guarding them. They were one for seven. Then they hit a three and they're two for eight screaming in my face. Like I would get pissed at shit like that. But that's not (laughs) the dunk of the year contender. One of the best dunks I've probably ever seen in a game where I mean like I'm looking for those of you not watching this. Dexter's background is a photo of the dunk. And in the photo of the dunk, it doesn't look like Anthony Edwards could make it to the rim. Like, that's how far it sort of started out. And then he sort of just takes Yuta with him. I'm not going to pronounce his last name. He just kind of takes him with him and just, like, yams it on him. Like, he was mad at him or some shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's mad disrespectful. 
but like you know, I loved it. It's not, it's not, it's not something I would do unless I really despise the player, which is I think why Nate Duncan and other people sort of looking and pointing out Anthony Edwards' stats. Mm. Anthony Edwards, a rookie, by the way, uh, pointing out his stats. Like I think that's why people got on them because it's like, yo, he just had this amazing play, and this is kind of what Twitter's become in a lot of ways. Like something great happens, and other people are just looking to be that other person to shit on whatever. I try to avoid doing that in my personal life. It's it can be a little instinctual for some people. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I like I've gotten better at like, you know, somebody does something or somebody that I don't care for necessarily. Not somebody I like, but somebody I don't care for does something and I'm just like, "Oh, well this, oh well that." Like there's some legitimacy to that in different instances. But when you have a dunk like this and you're a rookie, I don't think there's a need to you know, point out his stat sheet, especially when, again, he's a rookie. Now, if he was an established player or whatever, like if this was Rudy Gay a few years ago when he still really had his hops and you wanted to point out like, oh, but he's minus this and he's shooting, you know, four for 11 again. And we've seen this before then. Okay. Like I kind of understand that a little bit more, but even then I'm like, yo dog, like it was a great play. Uh, well, there's a couple things there. I think you do bring a great point about the broader point of society. And Murph, let me know if you rock with this. But here's the other thing for me here, guys. This is a regular season game played by a rookie on the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? Like, like this context matters here. It's a dunk in a meaningless, for the Timberwolves who aren't going anywhere, regular season game. I might have got his point a little bit more if it was a playoff game and it really mattered. But here's where I'm going to even give pause. I'm going to pause myself on that. Uh, we all have watched basketball for a long time. Have you guys ever seen a dunk where somebody dunked on somebody? And it, well, now we're not playing with crowds right now, but in the context that there would be crowds in the building, or if there is no crowd, Murph and I play basketball. You can see how a you play basketball, Brian. You can see how a dunk can fire up a team. A dunk like that could spark a twenty zero run. Could spark a yeah. whatever. Did these so so to just put look at it in the context of numbers, which is what Murph is saying about even if you love the analytics and I support analytics, but you also have to enjoy the game. It shouldn't stop you from enjoying that play. Or the value of what that play could done. Let's say, let's just say, Anthony Edwards had this dunk, had the same exact numbers, but that dunk sparked his team to go on a 15 to 2, 20-2 run. Would you then deem it less valuable? Would that then deem the play less important? So I think to just trivialize it to numbers, which is kind of what Nate Duncan did here, it's just ridiculous. And you you're being a fun police. You're being a herb. Like, be better. You you, you don't you don't have to be yeah. a herb. Like, I think you could be better than you could be better than this and like enjoy the game. It doesn't have to all be about numbers. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely herb like mentality. Um, I mean, look at look at that picture behind you. That it's crazy. His head is at the rim right there. This dude, you talk about sparking. You know, you know, changing the momentum, sparking your team. He might have ruined this poor guy's career who he's ducking on right now. Word. This dude might go home and have nightmares and never be the same. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and we're talking and and you know, when you look at it, it's probably I'm I'm gonna just guess why he's saying something like that. I, I don't know. I haven't followed closely what he thinks of Anthony Edwards, but he, this is the number one pick in the draft. Uh-huh. So maybe he didn't think that th- that he deserved to be the number one in the pick and draft. Maybe he's been saying that all along. Yeah. And and he wants to point out um, other, that other guys are doing are having better rookie seasons. That's fine. But it's also unfair to him. Agreed. It's the, ult- it's the ultimate troll because he's actually playing pretty well. 
Uh, he, you know, he's averaging, he's a rookie, he's averaging 14 points, three, four rebounds, two assists. And in the last month, he's improved that to 16 points, four rebounds, three assists. In the last two weeks, he's playing, you know, even better than that. And I know that because I have him on my fantasy, a couple of fantasy teams, so I track <laughs> all this stuff. But um, no, so I mean, it's, it's unfair to him. He's, he's actually playing well. The game before that, he had a very, he had a very uh, good and efficient game. And then you're going to point out when he does something like this that, you know, what are you, what are you trying to say? So it's just it's just corny, really. Altogether, it's just it's just straight corny. There there is no great dunk guys where anybody dunks are, create moments, right? There are these moments that have created the NBA that anybody's going to go back and say, "Oh, well, what did this person have?" I, I, somebody did this. They actually went through like some of the great dunks and then put up stat lines that weren't that great, like Vince Carter's dunk really? over yeah, Vince Carter's dunk over Frederick Vice. He had like thirteen points <laughs> and two rebounds. Exactly. And one assist. Even remember what this dude had. That's all that matters. Right. All that remembers is that he put he put his nuts over his head. That's all anybody remembers. (laughs) Nobody cares about that. That's the closest thing I've ever seen to this Edwards. The Edwards dunk. I mean, he didn't jump. I mean, Frederick Weiss didn't jump with Vince, so he was able to jump completely over. This dude jumped on, jumped with him, and still, when you watch the play in real time, it looks like. It looks like he. It looks like he did jump over him. Like when the in the entire play, yeah, he's up there now. But when it's when it's all said and done with, he's like over his head. Yeah. You know what I'm and the funny yeah. thing, I remember, I was watching. I was. I was. I, I might have been watching that that uh, hip hop un, uncovered or something at the time, and on on the big screen. And then I was watching. Uh, I had the NBA league pass on the computer. So I, I and I just happened to have the Minnesota game. You know, I was flipping through. I had Minnesota on the on the league pass. So I saw this shit real time. I'm just and I'm just like glancing, like, oh, let me see. This. Oh, they got the ball, and I was like, holy shit! I was like, is this live? Did I? I was like, I, I was like, is this a replay? Did I just see this fucking shit live? I had to. I'm sure my wife. My wife doesn't give a shit about this. I'm sure my wife. Like, oh, oh, look at this! She's like, oh wow, yeah. You know. Yo, and see, and, and see, that's the mark of a great dunk, right, Murph? Like you have to show somebody. You got to tell somebody that is so crazy that you have to see this. Unless you're Nate Duncan, and then you have to be like, "Nah, but he's over seven from three. Like that. Like, yo, come on, Dex. Dex, you rose a great point when you pointed out like the person, whoever that is, salute to them who took great dunks, and then the stat sheets for like whatever that player was. Because I'm thinking now of the great dunks, like you mentioned, Vince Carter. Uh, one of my favorites ever is J.R. Smith, uh, Kevin Harlan. We've just seen a man fly. I think he dunked over Mono Ginobili. Mono Ginobili. Fucking, no, it didn't yeah. even look like he was going to reach the rim. And, like, he dunked on him. Uh, Derek Rose over Goran Dragic, where he just straight bodied him. Like, I don't remember anyone's stat lines for any of those games. You remember the moments. And, like, to some degree, that's what we're watching sports for. Like, we're trying to get these moments. I well, think, clear, well, clearly not everybody. Clearly not everybody. Right, but I think I think big picture, honestly, because the regular season is the regular season, these moments kind of matter more. These moments, like Anthony Edwards, whatever happens from now on, and he may have other moments this big or as big as this. We don't know. Like, he's the first overall pick. Like, it's entirely possible that he becomes a multi-time All-Star. This is something that we're always going to remember. You know what I no, mean? I, and I think there's something yeah. to be said for that. No, I agree with you. I, I just... I wish this dude who did this with these these players, I'm going to try to find it so I can send it to you guys. I wish he had gone through even more dunks because there's so many other great dunks that I can remember. And I was like, yeah, what did Pippen have when he dunked over Ewing? Like, I hated that dunk as a kid, but that dunk is dope. What did Sean Kemp have when he dunked over Alton Lister? I don't know, but he pointed at him. He pointed at him after he dunked <laughs> on him. I don't know what he had. He probably had the most inefficient game of his career. 
Who cares? If this happened in the first quarter, Wait, first say five that? minutes, would you still say that? Does he still does he still get on? Oh, oh that's a good point. That's a good point. He'd be like, you know, you know what he would say? You know what he'd say, Murph? He'd be like, uh, well, it don't matter unless this game is unless he's efficient for this yeah, game. Yeah. He's only one oh, for yeah. three from the field right now. Oh, he caught that dunk in the first quarter. Does it really matter? Is, was it a crunch time dunk? <laughs> We're talking about a regular season game. Like, let the guy have his moment, man, and we can enjoy basketball. I think I, one of my boys said this, and he actually responded to uh, Nate Duncan on Twitter about this. And he said, if your first thought after seeing that is to check the box score, then you don't enjoy the sport. And I think that's fair to say. Like, you don't, maybe you don't love the sport in a way that at least we're talking about it do. Like, we, like you guys have said, we love it for the moments and what we can see. Your first thought is to be like, yeah, let me see if he's efficient. Nah, man. <laughs> you, don't, you don't love the sport maybe the way we think we do. But it's okay. You know, the herbs are going to be herbs. So what, what are you going to do? Some are always looking for more sports content. And among the glut of sports media, some are looking for sports content that dives a bit deeper and doesn't just stick to sports. So check out Backpack Broadcasting's original long-form sports journalism series, Sideline Stories. The award-winning original series takes viewers directly into underrepresented communities within the world of sports. It's a series that goes beyond traditional sports reporting, like box scores and statistics, presenting exclusive stories that you won't find anywhere else. With a diverse group of correspondents, the series provides interviews and interesting stories around the world of sports, because there is so much beyond the game, and so much that occurs off the field or court that impacts each of us and the world we live in. Giving a voice to athletes, coaches, fans, and everyone involved in athletics, Sideline Stories looks to push sports storytelling further than ever before. It's a winner of the 2020 Independent Shorts Awards, and all episodes of Sideline Stories are available for viewing today on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Since we have Murph here, Murph, I want to talk to you about some, some rookies, because you're the black etologist, you know college basketball as well as anybody. I think for a lot of people before the draft last year, and Brian and I spoke a lot about this, we talked to you about it, a lot of people were unsure on LaMelo Ball. You you were driving the LaMelo Ball train. You were somebody who was like, yo, man, he's going to be good. And the kids look pretty good. And I think this rookie class has actually looked better than people probably expected it to be. What do you think about what you've seen some of these guys do thus far in the NBA? No, actually, it, it, kind of, it kind of fits into what we're just talking about. Because the reason I liked LaMelo Ball is because I, I saw him play, even in weird settings, right? Like, the Drew League. Like, I, I took something from that. I'm, you know, I'm, he's playing against grown-ass men who, who are, like, a lot of them ex-Division One players, Division One players, some ex-pros. Like, he's playing against real dudes older than him. And I'm watching, I watched, like, a lot of those Drew League highlights, and he was killing them. Like, it was crazy. Like, he was just so smooth with the ball. He was playing point guard. He's, he's the best player on the court, playing against older guys, uh, you know, winning the game at the end with, like, three, four straight threes, like something crazy like that. So to me, you can take things just from watching a guy play on the court. I don't even care who he's playing against. You know, if we've all played ball. We know what we we can – there is such a thing as an eye test. It's real. Like we can – you know, you can see people play and 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 find out and, and determine whether they're, you know, whether they're good or not. So that's part of it. It's not just that's what he shot, what he was shooting in Australia or wherever the hell he was. You know what I'm saying? But that's the that's the thing. Like you could tell when a, when someone has game, and he's had game his whole you know basically his whole life. Like I don't get me wrong, I, I wasn't a believer when he was 
scoring 100 in high school. I thought that was nonsense. And I even and I saw some of those highlights too. And I didn't think he was. I wasn't convinced back then because I thought he was a gunner. Um, but then all of a sudden, from like, you know, junior to senior year in high school, you could tell he was starting to play more like his brother. Like then you start to see kind of his passing and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, yeah, I mean, LaMelo to me, I mean, he just seemed to be the the most talented and have the most upside. But this has been a weird draft because there are a lot of, I feel like there are a lot of guys who are going to be pretty good in this draft. And we all, I think we all thought this was a weak draft and and, and maybe it will be in terms of like bona fide stars. But but there are a lot of guys doing better than I thought they would, inclu- including quickly with the Knicks. I, didn't, I wasn't a fan of that pick. I was like, what are, what are they doing? You know, I watched Kentucky and he never jumped off the page to me, but you know. There you go. Like you, you get you, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> you, you, win, you win some, you lose some, indeed. Uh, Brian, are you on this Lamelo Ball train as well, too? Your mic is out, Brian. You got too angry. You got I too was just angry. about to, to. I don't understand that shit. <laughs> like I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Is my camera like not even working right now? Yeah. Like, now you got. The... Now you got. It's fuzzy. a little fuzzy, but. All right, get, get, you know, give it, give it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, like, you, you trying to do the TikTok stuff with us? <laughs> you know, kind of reach out. Did it fix itself? Yeah, yet? you good. No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. We can edit that out. We probably won't. <laughs> but LaMelo Ball, like, yeah, I'm I'm rolling with LaMelo Ball a little more than I thought I would at this point of the year. I, I always liked his talent. Like, to me, he seemed like the number one pick for most of the pre-draft you know, stuff, analysis, whatever you want to call it. To me, it was really between him and James Wiseman. Obviously, it was Anthony Edwards. But I thought LaMelo Ball, in terms of talent at the guard position, was the most talented guy there. And he's showing that. I love when dudes could come into the league and give you five, six assists a game right away. Like, that's one of my favorite things to see in, like, determining who's a true point guard, whatever the case may be. Preferably you know, six or seven, five or six assists that don't come with like 20 points or 25 points or whatever, because, you know, that I don't, I'm not going to go on that whole, you know, pure point guard rant or whatever, but I love LaMelo Ball's playmaking ability. And that's something that he's always going to have. The shooting comes and goes. I think eventually it'll be consistent and he's shooting a little better from three than I expected, given especially, you know, Australia, his production out there, you know, we saw him in different, you know, as Murph said, other parts in the world. He was at the freaking Spire Institute for a while. Like the shooting is going to come and go for a little while. One, he's a rookie. And two, you know, like with LaMelo Ball and the way he shoots and how he like he's off balance on a lot of these jumpers, too. Like these are things that are fixable. So I think there's a pathway to him becoming a guy who averages something like 20 points and 10 assists. And that's something that he could probably do like two years from now. And then as far as like other rookies go, I just want to give a quick shout out to Tyrese Halliburton, who is the guy that I and some others we were very high on before the draft. I thought the Knicks should have taken him at eight. Me we'll too. see what happens with. We'll see what happens with Obi Toppin. I still think Obi Toppin will be pretty good, but Tyrese Halliburton is clearly, you know, what they could have used at the starting point guard position. They'd probably be uh, a couple wins better than they are with Alfred Payton right now. And Tyrese Halliburton's another guy who's coming to the league and he's given you, you know, 12 points, five assists. He's rebounding, he's shooting, even though, you know, his shot, like some people don't really like perform or whatever. Shit goes in. He's still, you know, he's still shooting 44% from three and almost 50% from the field. And I think he's somebody who's going to be 
you know, a high efficiency guard who's going to give you solid production. Maybe at his peak, he'll give you years of like 18 points, five rebounds, eight assists. Like I could see Tyrese Halliburton being that good. So those two guys have, are probably the rookies that have impressed me the most. And James Wiseman, we'll see what happens because, you know, he's been injured for a while, but he's had some moments before that. And I think he could be a real dominant center, but, you know, he needs to get out of injury first. Yeah, I like Halliburton. Halliburton's doing what I thought he would. I'm not really surprised. I thought he had a good feel for the game. So he's, and I like your comparison there, Brian. I think he's in that range. I, could I see him being Malcolm Brogdon ish? Yeah, I could see that. He's kind of that kind of point guard. I like I that a see. lot, actually. Yeah, he's yeah. that kind of point guard. I think he's good. That doesn't mean the Knicks made a mistake because, like Murph said, they got something, yeah. looks like they got something quickly. Uh, quickly, he's a lot better than I thought in terms of handling, running the team, penetrating. He's got a good floater, he's a decent passer, and he could defend. Even he's a smaller, mm-hmm. undersized guard. So, you know, you got to give these guys time. And Mur- as Murph knows, watching these guys a lot through high school, college, we got to be a little bit more patient with, with, with some of these guys as we look at this young talent. But when we look at the league, guys, uh, a lot – this league, this season has been very interesting with COVID, man. Like, we talked about this even on Picks and Props. Everything is jumbled. Everybody's together right now. Murph, who, has there been any surprises for you in the East or, or or the West thus far? Any teams that have really surprised you? I mean, the Knicks kind of come to mind when we think about a surprise. Although you and I, we had them banging that twenty-one and a half with the over for sure. But uh, any surprises you think in, in the league right now? Utah, are they a surprise for you out West? Who's a surprise right now in the NBA? Yeah, no, I think I think Utah's a surprise. They're more surprising uh, teams that that. You know, teams that aren't doing well, like like the Celtics surprising me, uh, not, you know, being under 500 after that loss today, I think. Um, Denver hasn't been, you know, as good out of the box as I, as I thought they would be. Uh, you know, another Brooklyn is a, is a surprise of how well they're playing, really, even though, you know, talent wins. But um, it is impressive to see uh, what they've been able to do and not really have their those three guys um together from I think they've been together what six games or something like that I think we have to start giving I, I mean it sounds weird I'm not even sure if I believe this myself but do do we have to start giving Steve Nash credit for being a, a decent coach like having these guys uh you know actually play together you know that big win when they just had Harden and Harden and a bunch of dudes and they and they go into Phoenix and win like that type of thing do we give Steve Nash, some credit for that. When they I don't start, know. I'll give him some credit when they start playing some defense. <laughs> I'll do that. Well, Kyrie, Kyrie, and it's still Kyrie too early. The coach, right? Well, Kyrie, well, Kyrie said everybody could be a coach. Yeah. Oh, he said he, they didn't need. He didn't need a coach. He oh, that's like, true. We didn't even need a coach. That is true. We didn't need a coach. We're all coaches. So who we give right. the credit to? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Why didn't they give? Why didn't they give Jack Vaughn the job then if they didn't need a coach? Well, there's a lot of things we can go into that. <laughs> about why Jock Vaughn maybe didn't get that job and just they paid him a little bit more to be the, the associate. No, the Nets have been a surprise. Jazz have been a surprise. Brian Brian has been on the team Joel MV, for MVP, Joel Embiid for MVP. Still uh, six, there. Still, so you're still there. You're still there. You're not, you're not off the bandwagon. Do you like the Sixers, Brian? Do you like what, do you like what they've done? Because I think they're a very interesting team in terms of looking. They've changed their coach. They've changed some of the personnel around Simmons and Embiid. They finally got them some shooters. They appear to be playing well. They're winning some of these games without Simmons, and Embiid's looking fantastic, which maybe doesn't bode well for Simmons and trade value and stuff like that, But which bolsters your case for him for MVP. I got all that. 
are you surprised what the Sixers have done this year, or you you, you kind of saw this coming with them? Uh this is weird because I don't quite know how to assess these teams because of it's being so early in the season, COVID. Like we're talking up the Nets, for example, and I go look at the standings, and they're just nineteen and twelve. You know what I mean? And you know they deserve credit for how good they've looked as of late. But at the same time, that's more so to indicate I don't trust not one of these motherfucking teams so far outside the Lakers. I don't trust anybody in terms of picking them to go to the finals. We talked about this a little bit on picks and props. I just don't trust anybody right now because mm-hmm. nobody is sort of, you know, taking it right now. And it's so it's still too early. Like I'm I try to be somebody who is reserved early on in the season. We're not even halfway there. We're going into an early all-star break. Let's see how teams come out of that. I feel like the COVID cases and you know, postponements have really slowed down. Though the Spurs are going through something right now. We'll see what happens there. I'm sure we'll have vaccines at some point. Now, the NBA players, probably not all of them are excited about taking the vaccine, but that's another discussion for another day. But, like, these all these are all things that are going to affect the season, like, down the road. Like, I'm already looking at teams like, like Philly, for example, we mentioned. And out of all the teams in the East, they're probably my favorite team in terms of who I think is going to get to the finals. Now, Joel Embiid, nobody from the Nets is going to guard him. The thing is, he alone can't beat Kyrie, KD, uh, and Kevin Durant. Like They're going to need Ben Simmons to step up in the playoffs, which we have not seen him do yet. They're going to need Tobias Harris to continue to do what he's doing now, which, you know, we'll see. And then, like, Milwaukee hasn't really looked. They're barely above 500, which is interesting. They haven't looked as good to me, uh, although Chris Middleton's been awesome. Uh, the Pacers, who I liked early on, I've cooled on them a little bit, but I still like them a lot. And they're going to get Karis LeVert at some point this season, we could expect, it looks like. And I think that's going to be big because he's going to do a lot of the Oladipo stuff and it'll probably be a better fit. And then just going down, like the Celtics, I don't know. The Raptors are getting better. Uh, I don't think the Hornets are going to necessarily stay this good. The Knicks will see. The Heat just beat the Lakers, like I kind of said they would on picks and props. Uh-huh. You know, like <laughs> the Bam defended LeBron really well. You got to win that game. You got to win that game if you're, if yeah. you're the Heat. Yeah, just yeah. like the Nets. The Nets went in there and, and smacked it yeah, without so Katie. Yeah. I, I think the larger point that I'm making here is that, like, and even with the Lakers included into this, I don't think a lot separates, you know, the top. 16 or whatever teams in the league like i really don't if i'm looking at the standings or whatever how much better do i think philly is than miami if both are you know relatively healthy how much better do i think you know uh utah is from like the nuggets who are the seventh seed right now like i just don't quite know that and i think we're gonna a lot can happen between now and whenever the playoffs are but i just don't really trust anybody fully yeah, it's hard to say. And like you said, at the top, everybody's jumbled up. Mur- Murph, who do you think is the best team in the East right now? Are you giving it to Brooklyn? Uh, because I think Brian pointed out that a lot of other teams have been shaky. But will you give Brooklyn that, that team you trust to make it out the East at this point? We're approaching halfway through the season. Who do you think is going to make it out the East? Yeah, I think I think Brooklyn's the favorite. To not only make it out the East, but to win the whole thing. I hate to say it, man, guys. But, you know, I, wow. I wasn't. And I've, I mean, when when the trade first happened, um, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't out there jumping around. Oh, the, the Nets are going to win it all, or blah blah blah. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I mean, usually when you put this much talent together, you, I mean, you almost guaranteed a finals appearance. You might not win it all, but even then, if you don't win it all, it's on you. It's on you choked or something like that. Talent prevails in this league, and you got you're putting 
these three guys together. The only real question was what would they play together? And then even just from listening to these guys talk every day, um, you know, then seeing it on the court, they are they have made a concerted effort to be unselfish. And I'm not trying to give them all this credit for doing that. I mean, that is what you're supposed to do, right? I mean, if you're a truly great player, and and especially Harden, and you haven't won a you haven't won a ring, you should be just trying to do anything you can uh, to you know to win. Um, so if that means playing unselfishly, that's what you have to do. And and throughout history, we've seen when you bring all these stars together, usually if they're that good, usually they do that and they take care of business. So I mean, Philly's the best team right now, you know, even record wise. You know, they, they know each other. They have chemistry. They you know they're playing good defense, but there's no way, no. If I'm any other team in the league, I do not want to see Brooklyn, even in the West with Utah. We just saw a game where Utah went in and played the Clippers. Clippers, uh-huh. and the Clippers, and the Clippers had Paul George and Kawhi back. This is, was this a couple of days ago, and they and they outplayed uh, Utah. They they you know they took it to them because they had more. They really have more talent than Utah does. I mean, Bogdanovich is a nice piece. Conley's a, a nice piece. They are, these are good players. But Kawhi is a great player. Paul George is probably is better than Bogdanovich. Even as much as we want to get on him, he's still better than Bogdanovich and Conley. So it comes down to talent, and the Nets have the most of it. Last season, the Lakers had the most of it because they had two top five guys. The Nets have more right now. I just hate to say it. I mean, you know, I don't want to be a sound like a homer, but. <laughs> but but this is how you feel. Do you think the Lakers and it's you know I, I'm wondering with the Lakers now with the Anthony Davis injury and I think they should probably just rest him as much as they can. Do not play with that calf, which is connected to the Achilles. Don't play with that at all. Just rest this guy, get him ready for the playoffs. Uh, if the Lakers are at full strength, which we did not see them against Brooklyn a few nights ago, and as you said, Murph, Brooklyn came in and, and took care of business. If the Lakers are at full strength. They still have two of the top five best players in the league, and they're healthy. Do they have a chance against uh, against Brooklyn at all? Because it sounds to me like if they play Brooklyn, you're taking the Brook, you're taking Brooklyn over the over the Lakers if they're full strength. If they're healthy, I mean, if they're healthy, I'm taking. I'm, now, do they have a chance? Yeah, they have a chance. You know, I mean, they still, like you said, they still have uh, two of the top five guys, and they're they they have more chemistry. They play better. They're more of a no question. They're more of a defensive team than the, even if the Nets played their best defense possible. They're not going to be as good a defensive team as the Lakers are. But they have more talent than the Lakers right now. I mean, you got they I mean they they smacked the Lakers and everybody was like, oh well AD wasn't there. Well either was KD. He right. was he wasn't there either. So and those guys are pretty close. Uh you know most people would probably take KD over AD. You know what I'm saying? So I mean that's just a lot to deal with. And I think but there's no there's no guarantee that that when we get to the finals, that you know Kyrie is is, is injury prone, so we don't See, know. That's the thing. The, we don't, just We're waiting seats. on that. That new strain is coming. There's a lot of factors. <laughs> like that's the thing I'm not overlooking too. It's like I know people were very excited early on. Kevin Durant, like, oh, he looks back to normal, all this shit, and then I'm like, look, now that's easy to say. We have to see. Like, does he? Does his Achilles get sore in April? Like, we're already seeing him, like, he's kind of been in and out of action these last few weeks because of, you know, one was COVID protocol, now something else. And it's like, and with Kyrie Irving, to Murph's point, like, he always, always gets hurt at some point and misses time. And three of the last five seasons, he didn't even finish. 
So I don't know. Like, is he going to finish this season? James Harden, the other shoe is going to fall at some point. Like, he's been so durable and healthy and played all these minutes. He's not LeBron James. You know what I mean? Like, we'll see if, if at some point that's going to happen too. And could they really afford that? Because while they do have the most talent at the top, that's at the top of their roster. Because then after that, <clears throat> can you rely on, you know, Jeff Green for a sustainable period of time? Are you going to get something out of Andre Roberson or Noah Vonley? How is Bruce Brown going to be when these games really start to matter later on in the season? And I think that's where I would give a team like the Lakers the edge because they just have more depth to me. I feel like they're better on paper this year than they were last year. And although they haven't been awesome so far, like LeBron's not taking time off. Like they're taking this seriously. Anthony Davis is out for a while. I still think they're probably going to add somebody at some point this season because, you know, they obviously want to be as good as possible. Um, and DeMarcus Cousins is somebody who he's going to go to one of these teams we're talking about, right? Like DeMarcus Cousins is a piece that's going to matter because he's, he's, he's had some really good games in Houston. I don't know if people have seen, uh, Andre Drummond. Is this a piece that's going to swing something? You know what I mean? I don't know because the numbers will fool you there. But I think if he goes to a team like the Nets or the Celtics, which is, you know, those are the two teams I think he should be looking at. That'll be very interesting. And with DeMarcus Cousins, I think he's somebody that could help somebody, too. So there's a lot of uh, factors that we have to see play out. Well, let me ask both of you. So let's talk about the, the Lakers, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they won. The, they, were, they were the champions last year. But I just don't – even last year, I didn't feel like they were unbeatable. You know, they, they kind of got – they got lucky last year. They didn't have to play the Clippers. Who They struck – you know, another Clippers, another team with a lot of talent. They struggled with the Clippers in the regular season. They, they you know, I think they split, but but it, it you know it looked it could have went either way. So they didn't even have to face the Clippers. They face Denver. Okay, they get past that's, that wasn't a big surprise. They get by Denver, and then even Miami, who was a surprise in the East to come out of the East. Miami wasn't at full strength ever against against uh, the Lakers. And, and what no, did that go six? It went six. It went six. The Heat still took two games without without being full strength. So. I mean, the Lakers are not unbeatable by any stretch. And like you said, they added people. They did They did create more depth. They added solid players. But they that's all they did. They added solid Gosh. players. But it, but as you see now, without AD, they didn't add anybody who can pick up the slack. Right. You, yeah. you're, bank, you're banking on Kyle, you're banking on Kyle Kuzma. Montrezl Harrell. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, you're going to be banking on Kyle Kuzma and Montrezl Harrell. I don't know if that's necessarily what you want to do. And if, the, if you take to that point, Murph, if the Lakers are not, I agree with you, they're not unbeatable. You're not looking at them like the 2016-2017 uh, Warriors or, so, or, or something like that. With that being said, is it time we give a little bit more? I know people are down on the Clippers stock. Should we start looking at the Jazz seriously? Should we start taking them as a team that could get to the finals? Or, or are, are we not there yet? It doesn't sound like a lot of people are like there yet because we talked about this on Picks and Props. They're getting a lot of betting action, but people still aren't believing them. Their odds haven't really changed in terms of winning the West or getting to the finals. Either you guys in on the Jazz, or uh, I'm just not in on any Jazz in Utah, but that's a whole other story. But yeah. I, I, want, I want to be, but I just, because I, I would love it personally if, other than the fact that they're from Utah. But I, would I thought love you would be like, you would love it if you want, you move to Utah. I thought that was what you were going to no, say. No. I'm saying, <laughs> I would love it personally if a team like the Jazz, Similar to kind of like the Heat, like last year, 
Um, and, you know, we've had teams like this where they're kind of like on the cusp or whatever. If a team like that were to just flat out win it, not tease us for most of the regular season, then lose in the second round or just get to the final. Like, I would love if a team like that won the NBA championship behind a guy, Donovan Mitchell, who's not considered a top 10 player, mostly of Rudy Gobert, who's the best defensive center in the league, but is still not regarded as somebody who's like a top 10 or 15 player. Mike Conley, who's a veteran on the other side of his career. Like, I would love it if a team like that just won the title. I would probably enjoy that more than any other result this year outside of the heat because, you know, how, you know, yeah, we I, know. I picked them. We know. I picked them earlier <laughs> this year, so I got to ride with the pick, you know, or or <laughs> this won't happen. I would really enjoy it if the Knicks somehow just snuck in and won the title before the Nets, <laughs> because that would be just comical to me. But I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, it's I do not. hope that they play. I do hope that they play each other in the playoff series, Knicks and Nets, which mathematically could happen. We might get a two seven there, uh, or something along those lines. But sign me uh, up for that. No, Utah, I have to see it. Like I have to see where we're at at game sixty fifty. Like later on in the year, just to see. So you know, in in April maybe, but as of right now, no, I don't buy it. I'm wondering if there could be another team, Brian, that could be similar to Miami last year. If who's that team or team? We talked about the stand- Murph. I think you brought this up where Denver is in their standings. <clears throat> They're not. I mean, I can still see them finishing in the top four. I wonder who that team could be. This seems like a year prime for that. Brian's told me this off the podcast. This is a year we could probably see some some upsets. Wouldn't shock him if a seven beat a two or eight beat a one. Especially the Pacers out, are the team for that. Especially out west, it wouldn't shock me the way things are jumbled. Do you guys think though, as we go forward, we're now approaching the halfway point? Do you think we'll get any more separation in the standings, or is it going to kind of be like this all year because of COVID? You don't know who's playing. You don't know what teams are going to be on break for a while. Teams still aren't practicing enough. There's a lot of things going on here that makes this NBA season tough to watch. Not to watch. I still like the quality basketball. Tough to bet on. Uh, tough to just know what's going to happen or who's really separating themselves. I mean, is any of this going to change as, as as we move forward? Do you think that we'll get some of that separation? Yeah, I don't. I doubt it. You know, because not only, of course, the COVID issues and the weird season, but also, I mean, there's parity in the league. I mean, a lot of these teams are really close together. I mean, let's say. Brook, Brook, the Brooklyn Nets start to put together and go on a little run. Are they going to run away from Philly? No, they're not. I don't think so. Milwaukee, Milwaukee could get their act together in the regular season at least and start, you know, and keep up with them. Uh, Boston should be better than they are. They might, they might go on a run if Kemba starts playing better. So I think, you know, you're not going to run away from any of these good teams. Same thing in the West. Utah takes care of business, but if the Clippers are healthy, they can. They're going to hang the Lakers. LeBron, as long as LeBron is has is breathing, he's going to keep. He's going to keep them close to some extent. Um, Phoenix is good. I mean, and the West in general. I mean, I'm looking at the West right now. I mean, one through almost ten is like is you have like some serious star power on on those teams, or like you have serious talent on all those teams. So I don't think there's going to be separation like that. Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. 
There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. Before we get you out of here, Murph, um, look, let's look a little college basketball real quick, too. Uh, we talk about some prospects for next year. Who do you like? Uh, the number one pick in the draft. Now, last couple of weeks, I've been hearing a lot of different things. Uh, we've been hearing it's, it could be Cade Cunningham. Uh, we're hearing other names. Who do you still think is like the favorite for the number one pick in the draft? Hmm. Number one pick in the draft. I mean, yeah, you're right. The odd still. I'm looking. I looked at the odds the other day. It's like they're really high in favor of Cade Cunningham, mm-hmm. who I like. But he, I don't know. He to me, he's missing something, and it might be athleticism. Um, I'm not sure because I'm sure he, he, it's hard to tell on TV. Like he's you obviously he's a good athlete, but he's not like you know he's not explosive. Um, but he, beside, he, to me, he's like a Grant Hill without the explosive athleticism. Mm. Um, but that's a problem. Not have, like when you get to the next level, you know, it, that could, that could, you know, put a ceiling on, on how, on how good you are. He might be a solid to good pro because of, you know, because he's so skilled and guys like that, how much better do they really get? You know what I'm saying? Because he's so advanced in terms of his skill level now, um, you know, how much better is he really going to get? So, you know, we'll see. I, You know, Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga. Who I like a lot. I like him yeah, a lot. Yeah, you know, he's a point guard. So does he go one? Probably not. But, you know, maybe he should. Uh, you know, I mean, I but I think it's going to be overall a strong, strong draft because you got guys like Scotty Barnes, who's a six seven point guard at Florida State. Um, he's 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 athletic. Um, there's some guy, you know, there's a lot of guys this year, uh, that are coming out. So I think it, the draft will be much deeper. If you have a lottery pick, you can, you can come away with a really good player. Okay. What, what did you, what were your thoughts on all this talk about Jalen Johnson, uh, deciding to opt out of the season at Duke and some members of the media being idiots and saying that he quit on his team and acting like he did something wrong. Uh, what, what did you think about that? I mean, when I when I first, I'll be honest, when I when I first heard about it, I was like, hmm. I was like, you know, first of all, obviously you have the right to do whatever you want in this situation. Right. Like, do whatever you want. It, it is all about getting drafted. That's fine. Um, but I wonder if you know it could hurt his draft stock. Uh, you know the the way you know the, with the optics, like why, like why? Because a lot of times people draft you on you know how much you love the game type of stuff which which I think is true like we 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 don't see this a lot cuz most guys don't want to stop playing you know once they start playing for a team they do kind of want to stick it out um and see what they can do i know his he had you know people came out and said oh he has people in his ear that's not true it is really just his parents i've been on a conference call uh, with a bunch of like um you know prospective lottery kids and their parents and you could tell his parents are very involved, just like same, same with same with uh, Jalen Suggs. Their parents are like really involved. So I'm sure it's a, a, a discussion he had with his, his mother and father. Um, you know, overall, there's no way I'm going to agree with people out, you know, old school basketball coaches talking about he quit on his team and, you know, he doesn't care and all this kind of stuff. Uh, is he really injured? Who cares? 
do what you have to do to secure the bag. And that's, that's, that's what he's doing. But at, at the same time, you do, you do wonder like, you know, if, if Duke was playing better, would you, would you keep playing? Or it does, it is a, that decision he made is something that can be critiqued. So yeah. He, I, I think it's fair to critique it at that point, Brian, I don't know what you think about that because yeah, the games he was, well, the more games he played for Duke, this is the way they are this season. It's going to be meaningless, right? Like these are going to be meaningless games, um, in a sense. And you talked about securing the bag, and I think when talk, I don't. I'm assuming this probably when he talked over his family. There's nothing, no games that you're going to play right now that's going to help your draft stock. The only thing you can do is possibly get injured. So why not get out now? I don't. Well, they, yeah. they, they were going to make the. They probably make the tournament. I mean, they beat they beat Virginia yesterday, so. You know, I mean, when people were like, when it first happened, people were like, oh, well, didn't Kyrie do the same thing? No, actually, Kyrie Kyrie got got hurt hurt. and came back to play just in the just to play in the NCAA tournament. So it's kind of a reverse type of deal. But, you know, I'm just like, I don't know. I I, I have mixed feelings on it, but I'm not. But in but in no way am I going to slander the kid. I mean, this this might work out for him. You know, maybe I was thinking maybe his his, because it. Part of it too was he wasn't getting as much playing time in the last few games right. before he before he, he decided to get out of there. Maybe his his father was like, "Hey, if Coach K is not playing you, you're hurting your draft stock here. So maybe we get you mm. out mm. and you know prevent that." So there's a lot yeah. of way, different ways to put that. And he he's a projected first round pick, from what I understand too. I think later in the first round. I mean, Late we'll lottery, see. I, I've seen. Yeah, yeah think- has him six. Six, oh, huh? shit, really? Okay, so he's that high up now? Yeah, I knew well, he was actually, in a lottery. I saw actually, late lottery. I didn't I know he moved question, up. I have a question about the top ten in the draft that I'm going to ask in a little bit because it's not really that serious because uh, it's only half serious. But when it comes to, like, Jalen Johnson, I'm not, like, I just don't hold it against him because, like, with all this shit going on and how much is he really going to help himself, like, theoretically, yes, you would, you know, a few good games down the line, but I don't think it's going to swing in either direction. I think what may end up benefiting him is that because of this, some teams will look at this and be like, hmm, not going to take him. He'll fall. He'll end up going on a good team. And then that's it. Like, he'll just be on a better team as a result. You know, sometimes it's better not to go to, like, eight or seven or nine to those teams like the Kings and the Bulls who are always kind of there. You want to go to like 15, 16 to a team who was in the playoffs and who needs somebody like you to build out. So in a, in a weird roundabout way, this might work out. Murph, I wanted to ask you, there's a, a prospect that I've noticed that you and I have seen in the Big East and he's been rising up draft boards. And I think he should change his name because he is a black dude and his name is David Duke, unfortunately. And I'm wondering... Could the name I'm I'm half kidding when I ask this, but could the name David Duke uh, hurt his draft stock? Not if he, uh, not if he gets drafted by Utah. Yeah, no, you know it's all about you know these guys are cutthroat, man. They just care how you play. I mean, some of the people making the decisions might you know might be David Duke fans. For all we, you know, I mean, but it wouldn't be that hard. It wouldn't be that hard to uh, to imagine. So no, so you never know. It might help his stock. You never know. But he needs to, he needs to have a middle name or something. I gotta his, look his father. His father is David Duke Senior. So oh, what the I, fuck are we? They I, leaned all the way into this. I love it. They were Coach, like, Coach Cooley told me that he was like, he was like, his, his, his David Duke Senior is his father. So they leaned could, all the way that, into that's it. That's where it comes from. How do you think? How do you think people who are current members of the KKK feel about him if he ends up playing for their favorite basketball team? They're not gonna like it. They'd be like, "You're slandering the real David Duke." 
with, with this with this black dude? Nah, we're not. He having... he could be he could be like the he's like the black Klansman. <laughs> he's gonna be like the black Klansman. <laughs> he's gonna do that. <laughs> Brian, you think your, your, your anger has has got your mic on. <laughs> but David Duke, man, the fact that his family said no, we we had this once. I want a junior. Let's do it again. Go ahead, no, Brian. According to his Wikipedia, he doesn't have a middle name. So they're like super – he can't even go like DJ. Nope, you know what yeah. I mean? Like if his middle name was Jeffrey or Jerome or some shit. His and father, His father must have loved – like just, just – Pissing like, him off. There's no way. He's going to go through the same pain I went through. That's it. <laughs> He's from Providence. Yeah. And he, it's not even like – he doesn't look like uh, – insert you know because you know i have this joke in the group text where like all black conservatives kind of look the same <laughs> so like <laughs> it, 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 and, and if you look at if you look at pictures of some of the dudes who are black conservatives and women you know you'll get what i'm saying but we'll explain that theory another day because i might be in trouble already um david duke like he he got dreads you know what I'm saying? Like it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His whole his name, along with his whole steez, is gonna th- it's gonna anger that segment of the population that likes a, I hope he's a different really, David Duke. I hope he's a fucking perennial all star. Like that would great. be and because you know, having you know, when you cover college basketball, he kind of he's been he's like a junior. So we, you know, we've we've heard his name for a couple of years. But I, I tweeted about him the other day, and someone was like, "Get out of here! That's his name." So it's like the, the largest society has no clue yet. So yeah, he's gonna get yo. Whenever when he gets drafted, he's gonna get. It's all gonna be brand new to everybody. It's, it's all coming at him once again. I'm here to for that this. point. To that point, Murph, we've seen him in the Big East and against St. John's teams like that Big East tournament. Like, I didn't think he was ever gonna be someone we're talking about as like a top ten pick. You know, I, like it was probably not even until his sophomore year last year where you're like, oh, this could be an NBA player, but. I didn't think like we'd be talking about in this draft class, this draft class that we project to be really good, that David Duke, the basketball player from Providence, uh, would be somebody who is a likely lottery pick. Like that's kind of crazy to me, also. So again, I hope he's really good because I just want anarchy. You know what I mean? Like I just not not actual anarchy. <laughs> not actual like, anarchy. Know, we got you. Right, right. Because, no, because that could be twisted in a different, you know, like I, I've already said too much. I'm here, I'm he, here. Does, he does remind me of the kid uh, from Providence who, who, where is he at now? The Marshall point guard. Brooks? Oh, well, uh, Chris Dunn. You know, Chris Dunn. He reminds me of Chris Dunn a little bit. Kind of a little taller, a um, little more versatile in, in terms of like he's not a straight up point guard or he's a big, if he is a point guard, he's big he and can, can, do, can rebound, rebound score. But he does, yeah. The last few games, though, he's been, you know, he, he hasn't been able to score the last couple of games. So I still think he has, he has some improving to do. Uh, it surprised me to see that he's projected projected top ten. I saw that NBA Draft.net. I don't know about that, but um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. You know, that name is going to be fun. David Duke in the NBA. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll, we'll, last, we'll end it last there. Thing Go I ahead. Say. Last thing I want to say because we're not doing a one time for your mind. Uh, I'm going to explain my background because you were hating on UConn earlier. I'm not a UConn <laughs> fan. Uh, Shabazz Napier is my background today. And the reason why is because he put on for Team Puerto Rico uh, in the FIBA America qualifying 22.7 assists against the Bahamas. He played a couple games, played really well. I just want more players, period. It's like, doesn't matter what country. I just want more players to rep where their family origins are from. Like, I would like to see... You know, Clay Thompson suit up instead of for Team USA for the Bahamas. 
You know, I wish that I wish that Carmelo Anthony would come over and play, you know, play for Team Puerto Rico before he retires. He probably will. I would even take Jonathan Isaac, even though, you know, he said a couple things last year that was a little kind of weird. Like we could all, you know, do this together, right? For for the good of for the good of our nations. I'm sure there's somebody with grenade and ties, Dexter. No, there's nobody. You know? There's nobody. There's nobody. <laughs> we are a soccer playing nation. We are not a basketball playing country. Cricket, cricket. cricket soccer and cricket. That is right. What you said? Dad got to be from Grenada. Hey, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it extends down, and maybe my daughter has that. That happens, but uh, well, that's gonna listen. Listen, I've already Murph. I've already told Dex. I already told Dex. Simone Henry sounds like a number one pick in the WNBA draft. <laughs> I hope so. You know what I'm saying? I hope so. I hope she sounds good. Uh, that sounds, sounds like a good name. We, but we're uh, talking about what? 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 What was she born? Sixteen. So we're talking about twenty thirty eight. Yeah, there you go. Wow. For Ooh. University of Pitt or something like that. Well, maybe you know? Pitt's, Pitt's women's program becomes good again. I could, we could have her on my, my up next podcast. Yeah, there you go. You got her on. She's in like fifth grade and she's a prodigy. <laughs> that, sound, that sounds good to me. Yeah, Brian, I didn't like having to see UConn in my face for most of this episode. No, I, I never liked that. It's half Puerto Rican, yo. It's half Puerto uh, Rican. UConn. Uh, all right, Murph, thank, thank, thank heritage, you. Know? I, I hear you got a rep. I can't be mad at that. I can't be mad at I that. Was Honestly, I was proud that he did that because I feel like a lot of dudes, if they don't make Team USA, then they're like, all right, I'm not going to play internationally. Yeah. Like for me, if I was good enough, I'd play in Team Puerto Rico before I, I'd play in I, USA. I, I, I respect that. It's gonna be, he's got a rep just the way there's going to be some people repping the wrong David Duke when David Duke gets drafted and they realize that he's not <laughs> who they think that he is or what he might stand for. <laughs> I wish him all the luck in the world, sincerely. I, I, wish- I hope. I hope he's a top 10 player. <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope, I hope so, too. All right, that's it for this episode of the A Hard Tell Podcast, episode 167. Thanks to our guest, our man, the blackatologist, Jamal Murphy. You can check him out uh, on Picks and Props, NBA Picks and Props on the Props Network with us every Friday, 6 p.m. Me, Brian, Murph, Gerard, Hector. We do the thing there. You can also check him out on the Bros Pod, and you can check him out on the Up Next Podcast, which... Hopefully, in like five years, my daughter is on. We'll see. That 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 might happen. (laughs) For Jamal Murphy, Brian Fonseca, I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace.